uh, one of the nicknames I had was the, the guardian of the tweet. So one of my responsibilities was uh, what we called tweet anatomy, which was basically just like, what is a tweet? How is it displayed? How is it displayed in every possible scenario? Date, June 2015. Episode 114 with Josh Brewer, product designer from San Francisco, who is most commonly known for his work on 52 weeks of UX, his former role as principal designer at Twitter, and his involvement with Designer Fund. This episode is sponsored by the lovely people at Media Temple. What can you tell us about your time at Twitter? How did you start and what would you describe as your legacy there? I came on board in, gosh, September of 2010. The company was about 200 people at that point. Doug Bowman is a good friend, and we had been having breakfast kind of like every month for quite a while with another good friend of mine, uh, Kyle Sollenberger. And uh, over time, just really developed a really fun relationship with Doug. And uh, and at one point, you know, uh, one thing led to another, and I came over for lunch one day and realized uh, it wasn't just lunch. <laughs> And so it was a no-brainer for me. I love Twitter, the product, and um, I really admire Doug and, and the opportunity to work together with him to grow and, and uh, build Twitter was uh, an absolute privilege. And as far as what I think, uh, well, my role there, initially, I was actually hired on to design the first events product, which, uh, which we never actually ended up shipping in part because the technology that we needed to kind of like provide the right experience just wasn't there yet. And in part because the initial concept for that product uh, really was designed at the wrong end. You know, we were designing for the kind of like Super Bowl and Grammys use case, um, which doesn't scale backwards down into smaller use cases. So we advocated for like, hey, let's figure out how to do this from the, the bottom up. And to Dick Costello's credit, he, he agreed and empowered us to put the brakes on that thing and, and kind of refocus on the core elements that would make a great product such as photos and uh, better trends and uh, conversations and whatnot. So um, over time, I ended up helping manage and lead the design team. I helped lead the redesign in 2011 and over time grew into the principal role where a lot of my time was spent really at a high level working and mentoring a lot of the designers on the team and kind of providing a, a sense of, kind of direction and I, what would you say, helping reinforce the vision for where we could go. I was also really fortunate to get to work with our heads of product and heads of engineering in like the longer term vision of where we could take the, uh, take the product. So that was, you know, the work that I did there. And as far as the legacy goes, I really hope if anything is said over time is that I fought for the user tirelessly and constantly pushed us to examine what we were building and the effects that it was having, uh, both positively and negatively. You know, you build a product for hundreds of millions of people and, and there's new behaviors and there's new things that you're doing. And I always found myself really fighting to make sure that uh, what we were doing was, was good <laughs> and as pure as it could be. It must have been awesome to work at that time on that product. 
I would agree. I'd say that kind of year leading up to me joining, uh, Doug Bowman joined uh, Twitter about a year before I did. And, and uh, when Doug came on, like just the, the attention to detail and the kind of care that Doug brings uh, to everything he works on started to manifest itself. And I think um, that really was apparent with the first redesign in 2010. And I think subsequent to that, the next few years really were us uh, refining and honing and building the foundations of, of something that could, uh, you know, stand the test of time. But you're, you're right. It definitely felt like a pretty awesome little era for a little while there. The first, I, I can definitely say the first year to year and a half that I was there was an absolute rocket. It was, it was, I mean, from the, I mean, like redesigning that entire product was a monumental task. And the amount of time that we did it in was just Herculean. And uh, at the same time, it was, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't have chose to do anything else. So I feel like today there's so much left of what you guys created at that point. I, I think so. There's tremendous amount of the, in the like, kind of like core building blocks, if you will, that have still held up. Uh, I always consider that a good sign. Five, six years is a long time for those core building blo blocks to survive, I guess. Yep. I, I do still think, though, there are so many more things that can be done. And there are so many great ideas that people inside of Twitter have had throughout the years that never saw the light of day that, you know, I still kind of secretly cross my fingers and hope somebody's going to find one of these old projects and decide that, wow, this is actually what we should be doing and, and, uh, and bring some of them back to life. But, you know, who knows? It's a big, giant company now, and they've got uh, shareholders <laughs> they're accountable to. And, uh, you know, it's, a, it's an amazing product, and uh, it's also crazy just to think about it being a public company and it having, you know, I don't even know, I think they're at like over 3,000 employees. It's just, it's just such a different uh, beast than it was a few years ago. For years, Minitempo Script Service has been the web hosting choice of more designers, developers, and creative professionals than any other platform. A single grid account can host anything from your portfolio site to 100 different client projects. And a grid is ready for anything. Hundreds of servers work together in the cloud to keep your sites online, even if you suddenly hit the front page of Reddit. Also check out their new WordPress hosting product, as well as their launching of Google Apps for Work. Virtual private server solutions are also available with their DV and DV developer hosting plans. You can use the promo code SCREEN25 for 25% off web hosting. Go to mediatemple.net and enter your promo code upon sign-up. Thanks for listening. Can you talk a little bit more about your responsibilities as principal designer at Twitter? Yeah, uh, one of my biggest responsibilities, uh, one of the nicknames I had was the, the guardian of the tweet. So one of my responsibilities was uh, what we called tweet anatomy, which was basically just like, what is a tweet? How is it displayed? How is it displayed in every possible scenario? You know, what does it mean for a timeline to be constructed? How do those look? Everything from, you know, like the embeddable widgets that go on the websites to how Twitter is rendered in all of the native products to how tweets are displayed on television. That was very much my purview. And kind of like at the end of the day, that was the thing that I, I fought most for uh, was making sure that we were designing and building that experience in service of both the goals of the company, but also the experience of the people using our product. Was it very tricky to create a coherent impression of what a tweet is to the public? 
Uh, it took time, but you know, it, it became very clear. And part of it was that we built a system and there was really like, it was very clear how these things related and how you could display them and what they kind of like at a glance, you could tell if something was a tweet and, um, that I felt like was a, a success of the system that we implemented. What was it like to work at Twitter? What was cool and not so cool maybe about your time there? <laughs> what was cool the people the people were amazing tons of just absolutely brilliant passionate people you know i think one of the funnest things was there's a you know there's a number of people that you you know you get into uh what do you want to call it ideological differences um and have you know arguments or difference of opinion but at the end of the day Everybody who cared obviously had an opinion. And so it was an amazing environment to really, if you were able to be open enough and, and to listen, you would find sometimes that, you know, somebody might be coming at something from a completely different angle. But if you could put yourself in that, in, in their position and really listen to what they were doing, sometimes you uncovered a thing that you had totally missed. And, you know, early on, especially when I first arrived, I think there was a lot of the people that were there really were there. Because they believe that Twitter could change the world for the better. Um, that by bringing a you know global real-time communication system to the mass population, we would increase the ability for people to you know uh, communicate, to relate, to discover you know new cultures and new people. And you know you can argue whether or not that was successful, but there definitely was a really strong kind of like belief early on at Twitter. Delusions, maybe two. I think uh, I think disillusionment came a, a little while later. Um, I don't know if it was delusional. Pro I mean, anything that big and that audacious kind of has some element of delusion to it. But um, but I would say that um, over time, I think some of the frustrating things was really a lot of it. Uh, in retrospect, comes down to the company growing as fast as it did. In three years that I was there, we went from 200 people to over 2,000 people as employees. We moved offices twice. We had, geez, I think we had two CEOs, three heads of product and four heads of engineering, I think, in the time that I was there. And so, you know, the organizational churn and growth and just like massive acceleration of everything that doesn't come without some pain. And, you know, a lot of it was trying to figure out how in the heck to, to keep everything moving and keep moving forward and keep, the you know, if you will, keep the, the ship upright. So, you know, some people really enjoy big, big companies and, and some people don't. And for me, I don't dislike them, but I certainly miss the smaller, small team, really just kind of like close quarters, a few designers and a few engineers just heads down building things together. That's, that's my sweet spot. And, um, you know, part of the reason why I ultimately ended up leaving. Do you think maybe there would have been a way to keep Twitter as a company smaller? Not really. In order to build a product like that and to build the infrastructure and to grow the user base as big as you need to be able to sustain and support something like that, you have to go big and you have to go hard really fast. I think you could have done it with less people, yes. I always point, Instagram's a great example. You know, there was 12 people that built that thing. But to be fair, they came along at a time when a, a number of the pieces of technology were kind of like in place and solved, which really allowed them to kind of bootstrap and, and really like launch themselves a lot further, a lot faster. And a huge kudos to, you know, Mike and, and the engineering team over there because those guys worked like crazy to build something that could scale. 
I've always thought that Twitter probably didn't have to grow quite as fast as it did. But again, you know, I wasn't in the CEO shoes and I didn't know everything there was to know about, you know, what we needed to do. And, you know, there was definitely market pressure and there was pressure from competitors such as Facebook and Google and whatnot. You know, so it's a it's a very complex, <laughs> multi-factored kind of environment. And so, you know, I can speculate all day, but that doesn't really do much good. 